0: There's, uh, there's not too many churches that you can go to where a pastor uh, can play like that. Uh, we had a little B.B. King going on here. This was wonderful. So, well, we are exploring uh, the gospel according to Mark. And today we enter into a passage that's one of those more uh, sensational engagements of Jesus' ministry. In Mark chapter five, where he engages the demoniac, uh, I was driving this past Tuesday on uh, uh, on 28th Street, going east, and in front of me, I was listening actually to a sermon on this particular passage, and uh, right in front of me there was a woman. That I was clearly in some type of distress uh, driving a Honda Accord uh, a few cars in front of me. And I could see there's some commotion around. People were steering away from her. And as the, I got up closer, she was like flailing and jerking around, and she's driving this car. Uh, and I decided to stay some distance as I watched uh, in front of me, and, and I realized this lady's in trouble. Uh, she's out of control. She starts to smash into cars that are parked on the left side of the lane. I called 911. Uh, I'm trying to alert emergency teams or police to, to intervene. Um, and fortunately, there was a man that was, uh, that was taking notice, and he drove up in front of her, got a parked car on the right, And she wasn't going real fast, but she was just uh, very erratic. And uh, he waited until she, like, stopped for a moment. He ran, opened up the car door, got the keys, and pulled the keys out and stopped the car. Uh, He was trying to talk to her, but she was really not coherent. She was flailing, screaming. Uh, I parked my car, and I was trying to do whatever assistance I could. Uh, When he moved away, I just, you know... I walked up to uh, her. the window was down, and I asked, "Ma'am,, do you know who Jesus is?" And like, she was like flailing and screaming, and then she just stopped and she said, "Yes." and it was like this moment of calmness, and then it was just for a few seconds, but then she just like started going into this uncontrollable screaming and flailing. Um, eventually, the medics came and took control and. Um, So I left the scene. I did not know whether or not this woman was having a reaction to drugs. I didn't know whether there there was some kind of seizure or whether indeed there was a demonic uh, influence uh, that was taking control. But what was clear was this woman was out of control. Uh, She was hurting herself. She was hurting other things. And when I said Jesus, she momentarily stopped. And so the passage that we are to look at today comes a little bit more alive, and I start realizing that the passage that we're looking at today isn't so remote and so disconnected from the spiritual realities that exist around us. Let's look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the, in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what, it was, what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. This is the word of the Lord. Do you ever get plagued with negative thoughts? Do you ever struggle with feelings of consuming anger or bitterness? envy, or jealousy, or lust, or despair? How about battles of unforgiveness, or self-loathing, or self-condemnation? Well, the Bible understands these thoughts, and these feelings, and emotions, and tells us where they come from, and what they are fueled by. In the previous chapter, in chapter four of Mark, We find Jesus teaching about the parable of the sower. And he tells us there about people's different responses to the word of God. And he mentions that one of the responses is that the word gets choked out by the weeds and is fruitless. He says that the weeds are the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. The scriptures talk about these internal battles uh, against God and his word as being the flesh, the personal resistance to God and his kingdom that's localized in the human heart. It is uh, the fallen human nature that's dethroned God and with its constant urges to disobey and gratify his cravings. But Jesus also talks about another thing that makes the word fruitless. He talks about the troubles and the persecutions in the world, the outside forces that choke, that seek to choke out the word. In this scripture, the world is identified with the corporate forces uh, that resist God and his kingdom. But it, it can include unjust governments, societal systems, and policies that fight against the dignity of man or the health of humanity. It would also include social and structural racism and classism. And uh, I encourage you to attend uh, this class or this session with Andy DeVos, Dr. Andy DeVos, who will be presenting this afternoon, The Roots of Baltimore's Racial Divide. It presents to us this picture of the influences of the world in Baltimore. But Jesus opens the parable of the sower, first mentioning a personal, evil, powerful force that wars against God, wars against his kingdom and his people. And it's represented by the birds who uh, come and take away the freshly scattered seed on the path. And Jesus identifies this person without any hesitation and says, Satan... Comes and takes away the word that was sown. So in addition to the forces that are against God and his kingdom, besides the world and besides the flesh, is Satan, uh, the, which means adversary or a devil, the slanderer or accuser, and with him his personal evil spiritual powers and demonic forces. And so we see in this event, We see in this event with the Gerasenes that Jesus does not leave Satan and his demonic forces to operate without confrontation. Jesus has come not only uh, to conquer and to battle the world and the flesh, but he's also come to destroy the works of the devil. And here in Mark's rather vivid and dramatic personal account of this demonized man, we see Jesus taking charge and ridding this man of these controlling forces to set him free. Uh, Jesus has come uh, to fight and to conquer the evil one and the evil spirits uh, that exist in order to set captives free, uh, that we would know his power and his peace. The question is, do you believe in evil spirits? Uh, Do you know Jesus' authority over such evil spirits and demonic forces? And are you applying his protective grace and power over these evil spirits? Well, here's one of many accounts and many texts where Mark affirms the reality of the evil spirits, the reign of Christ, over such evil spirits, and it shows us various responses to Christ's reign over evil spirits. We see the reality of the evil spirits, In verse 2, it says, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now, this is actually the eighth occasion in the Gospel of Mark where evil spirits or demons or Satan has been mentioned by Mark as just a matter of fact. In verse 13 of chapter 1, it says, Jesus was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. In the 23rd verse, it says, And a man in a synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And we find in verse 32 that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let, them, let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And verse 39 says, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out Demons, And so we find over and over and over again just that demonic forces, the personality of demonic forces and of Satan is a reality. Uh, and it seems that wherever Jesus goes, uh, his presence is like some type of chemical catalyst that triggers an immediate reaction among the unholy. They are coming out from every nook and cranny. And here... Just as Jesus gets out of the boat, this man, uh, with an evil spirit, he is running towards him totally naked. In Luke's account, it says, maybe dragging chains uh, that he broke off. He's cut up uh, from the stones that he would uh, cut himself, and he's bruised and he's bleeding. Uh, This is a pathetic picture, really, of a human being. Uh, He's banished from society. He can't sustain any kind of relationships. Uh, He is alone, and uh, Mark emphasizes this hopeless condition. But Jesus confronts this demonic presence in this man. And so do you believe in the devil? Do you believe in demons and spiritual evil forces? According to the Gallup poll, uh, 66% of urban dwellers believe in the devil. But there was a nationwide survey that uh, from Barna Research that discovered that among those who claim to be Christians, uh, it said that close to half of those who profess to be Christians do not believe that the devil exists. <laughs> That's a real contradiction. Uh, more professed Christians deny and disbelieve in the devil than the general population. But what are demons? What is the devil? Well, J.I. Packer talks about... God uh, has supernatural opponents. He says, Demon or devil are spiritual beings corrupt and hostile to both God and man. The demons were fallen angels, deathless creatures, serving Satan. Having joined Satan's rebellion, they were cast out of heaven to await final judgment. Their minds are permanently set to oppose God, his goodness, truth, the kingdom of Christ, and the welfare of human beings, and they have real, if limited, power and freedom of movement. Though, as Calvin's picturesque phrase, they drag their chains wherever they go and can never hope to overcome God. But there are these supernatural opponents that God has, that Christ has, that God's people has. Actually, it says that in Revelation, that uh, when uh, it has this picture of uh, the the dragon trying to destroy uh, uh, this child, but the child was snatched up. And then it said it went after the seed of the woman, which is the church. So there's this picture that uh, Satan's evil forces seek to come to destroy those who believe or to discourage and disarm them from the gospel mission. Uh, And so we find that demonic forces are really a normal reality in the time of Jesus, and and even though in our particular culture, we often dismiss those realities, uh, they do exist. Um, I, I was, uh, some years ago, and actually it was when Pastor Thurman, who was youth, our director of outreach and youth ministry back in 95 to 2000, uh, we had, I had a relationship. There's a woman that lived in our community that struggled with uh, various addictions. She's, she struggled with prostitution. Uh, we helped, tried to help her, but she came to, to us, she came to me, and she asked, could you come to my house? And she lived in Penn, Lucy. I feel so oppressed in my apartment. I feel like that there's demonic forces, and I am asking you to come to our, my house and to pray to, to remove those. And uh, we did. We went and we prayed that God, through his power in the name of Jesus, would remove any demonic forces that might be around her. You know, uh, one of our early members, uh, deacon in our church, uh, Steve Stahl. He struggled with uh, uh, schizophrenia, and when he was in his 40s, and he lived in our household, and we tried to get him help, uh, and then we got him into assisted living. Well, in the process, uh, Steve was hearing voices, uh, and and uh, he ended up jumping off of the 28th Street Bridge over Jones Falls Expressway. And uh, I'll never forget when I talked to his counselor, the counselor said he kept hearing voices to throw himself to go to 28th Street and throw himself off and the counselor said that that's exactly what he did. It was a very uh, painful loss uh, for this body. We realize that in the weakness of our humanity uh, that there are Voices and forces that seek to discourage and cause us to despair and even cause us towards suicidal things. And actually, this counselor that that shared this with me a year after my uh, discussion with him also committed suicide. Uh, He went through a divorce uh, and his wife remarried. And the day that she remarried, he took his own life because he didn't feel like it was worth living. Uh, there are many forces in our world that will seek to bring us to despair, where we have no hope, and uh, where Satan wants to destroy us. And actually, uh, Jesus says in John 8 that that uh, Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his own native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies, and that's what he does. He lies, and then he kills, and that's his objective. And so what we see in this is that Jesus did not leave this man, the Gerasenes, in this torment. And we see that Jesus' reign over the evil spirits. And in verse 6, it says that when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And what we find in the Gospel of Mark is that Mark is presenting Jesus' authority in different spheres over and over again. Right before this passage, uh, we find that Jesus was in the storm with the disciples, and uh, they were terrified, and they wake Jesus up, and he calms the storm. Uh, and then after this passage, we find that Jesus heals uh, the uh, bleeding woman that had was, had this flow of blood for 12 years, and he heals and raises from the dead Jairus' daughter, who was uh had died. He was the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus heals. So he's he's demonstrating power in different spheres over nature, uh, over over death, and here he's demonstrating his authority and his power over demonic evil forces. And so we see that uh, we see a picture of this uh, this demon possessed man, and when and as Jesus comes to the shore, Jesus knew in advance. And actually, if you were here with Charles Chapman's uh, presentation, he talked about how Jesus knew that the the man would be there at this particular place, and he pursues this man, but this man is actually running towards Jesus. Now, if you can imagine, uh, according to Luke's account, he's naked. He's all bruised and cut and bleeding. He's probably got some shackles still hanging, and he's running full bore right towards Jesus. Now, if I was one of his disciples, I would be running away. I would just be, you know, but Jesus didn't move. uh, And instead of, like, plowing into Jesus or knocking him over or tackling Jesus, he comes right in front of him, and he falls to the ground, and he's on his face before Jesus, which actually is a beautiful picture of the authority of Christ. And so, in the process, Jesus is asking or is telling these demons uh, to... uh, to, to leave this man. And it, apparently, it was something that Jesus repeated a number of times. Because Jesus says, out of this man, you unclean spirit. And, and as he was telling the, the demon to come out, maybe, the demon did, maybe a demon did come out. And he tells them again, come out of this man. Maybe another demon came out. And Jesus, who at this point doesn't have infinite knowledge as the human son of God, realizes there's more here than he realizes, and he says, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. <laughs> and so these, uh, this Legion, this demonic force, asked to go into, not to be sent out of the area, uh, not to be sent to the abyss, to be chained, to wait for the final judgment. Uh, they want it to still be present in the world. Demon, demonic forces, they, they mainly want to inhabit humans, image bearers. They want to destroy the image bearers of God. Uh, they often will occupy certain places, but they want to destroy God's image bearers. And so what we find is that if they can't be in the image bearers, well, they'll take pigs or they'll take animals. And, of course, they ask, send us into the pigs, which is... Uh, so they think that somehow they could occupy uh, these pigs, and 2,000 pigs were possessed, and apparently there was this stampede like lemons into this bank, into the waters, a massive suicide, and <clears throat> which was quite a display of the power and authority of Christ. So I don't know if this is where the terminology Bay of Pigs comes from, but these pigs were all dead in this water it was quite a scene created quite a, a, an eruption of interest in the village but Jesus reveals the purpose of why he came into the world which was to destroy the works of the devil as John first John 3 says and uh, Hebrews tells us he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. One of the interesting things about this passage is that the devils, the demons, they know who Jesus is. Uh, they, they declare his name. He's the, he's the Son of God. Uh, and, but the disciples, when they saw Jesus' power, uh, when he calmed the sea, they said, Who is this? The demons know who Jesus is, even though they cannot repent. Uh, But here we find they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. Um, After the first service, uh, Megan Page, uh, who's one of our members, came up to me, and she shared with me that she used to uh, go on mission trips, uh, and she was in a particular church in Pittsburgh, and went to a a mission in, in a particular village in Mexico. And she said, uh, th- there was, they were partnering with the church there, and she said this, she said there was, this church uh, was trying to care for a man who was clearly possessed. They actually had to confine him in a cage. And she remembers uh, that this man was screaming and hollering out of control, and they as a team would go and just pray over this man. She said he was screaming, he was, she, he was barking like a dog. And they prayed. She said, I've never experienced this before. And she said, uh, they came back day after day uh, during that week. And by the end of this week, uh, these demons had left this man. Uh, he was in his right mind. Uh, and he ate, he was having meals with them. And then she learns that he went off to seminary. Uh, to learn to be a pastor. Now, it sounds sensational. We're not in our country, and maybe we don't experience a lot of these overt experiences, but they do exist. And we find this picture of this man sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And so Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has come to tie up the strong man and to carry away and to liberate captives. And he does this for you and I. And so Jesus breaks these powers that bind us. Uh, and so we see the reality of demonic forces, we see the reign of Christ, and then we see these responses over these evil spirits. We we there's two beggings that happen in this passage. One of the beggings is that the townspeople have had their culture all messed up with Jesus' presence. You know, it's like he has really disturbed this village and uh, they beg Jesus to depart. They want him to go away. They're afraid, but also there's probably a loss of economy, right? 2,000 pigs. How much was that worth? Uh, we don't know, but we know that they, want, they begged Jesus to depart from their area. Uh, he's upsetting uh, the village. But we see another begging. We see the man uh, who had been possessed with demons begged Jesus that he might go with him. Uh, what a beautiful picture of a man who has now experienced the amazing grace of deliverance. Uh, wants to be with Jesus, but Jesus has another mission. Go back, tell your, uh, tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. And it says he's, he went into the Decapolis, which are a, a ten-city region, and he went and shared what Jesus had done for them. And so this man has been healed what shall we say in response to this? If God be for us, who can be against us? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither this present or future, or nor any powers, can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, as we uh, come to uh, think some reflection. Uh, the, the, it's important for us to not dismiss or disbelieve in the demonic forces or evil spirits or Satan. Uh, one of the passages from a book called Renewal as the Way of Life by Richard Loveless, he says, Any treatment of the forces opposing the messianic kingdom will not be practical or realistic if it overlooks the biblical portrayal of the superhuman but fully personal forces that empower and direct evil human beings and systems." And he says, uh, "...this is no trivial cosmic figure with a pitchfork, no spook from primitive folklore. It is a superhuman being of great cunning and power, a participant in a cosmic war against the reign of God, in which the fall of man is only one major skirmish. He is the leader of a host of lesser angels called demons. In effect, the fall was an invitation to this host of spirits to take up residence in the earth as an occupying army. When Paul speaks of principalities and powers, he is not talking about abstract systems and forces, but about persons in ruling positions. It is important for believers to recognize the seriousness of the spiritual climate. And so that's why Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 to put on the full armor of God, uh, to, to be strong in the Lord and to put on the full armor of God, which is basically putting on Christ, making sure that we're clothed with Christ, clothed in the power of His grace, Clothed in the power of his word, Uh, there are schemes, there are strategies, there are tactics that he's coming after us with. But in Christ, in his being clothed in Christ, we can stand strong. Uh, And so Jesus, he prays for the disciples to protect them by the power of his name. Uh, Some of the things that will, uh, will feed Satan... Well, feed his force and his power and influence over our lives is like unchecked uh, sin in our lives. Uh, our anger that is unchecked. Um, in Ephesians 5, says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. The devil wants a foothold. He wants a stronghold in your life. Uh, unforgiveness is another thing, and... Uh, Paul talks about to forgive this particular person in their church in order that Satan might not outwit us. And so there are different ways that we can actually open the door to, uh, to allow demonic forces to actually work on us. And so we must fight with the armor that God has given us. Um, be strong in Christ, uh, Paul says, and in his power. And so we're given this armor, we're given the forces, and one of the uh, passages in Second Corinthians 10 says this: "We do not uh, wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every captive thought to make it obedient to Christ." And so In this way, we recognize that one of the most important ways we fight uh, evil forces is those lies—the lies that enter our minds that tell us that we are valueless, or that tell us that we aren't uh, loved by God, that we are, we have too much sin in our life, that God can never love us enough, or that we can't do anything for him, and that anybody else is better than me, and and all of the lies that diminish your preciousness as God's son or daughter. There are so many lies, and the question is, are we fighting those lies that Satan wants to uh, communicate to us? And so we find that the means of grace, and uh, Loveless says, as we walk in the Spirit, we are actually attacking and destroying the kingdom of evil. Even if the devil kills us physically, he, he, and as he killed the, the Messiah, he will only suffer loss as a result. And so what we recognize is that we have been given means of grace to help us to, to, to fight. Jesus says, do not fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy the body and soul and hell." And who is Jesus talking about? There's only one person for us to fear. It is God himself. He's the only one. Whoever you fear is who you will bow to, who you will serve. Jesus says, there's only one person worthy of your fear, and that is the Lord Almighty. But the Lord Almighty, who we fear, is the Lord all-loving. It's the Lord of amazing grace. He is the God who has come after his his children who have been captive to set them free from the fear of death. And so he gives us means of grace. And this supper is one of those critical reminders that he gives us that we are beloved and that we are freed from uh, Satan's tyranny. I like to ask if officers could come forward And Jesus gave us this meal because he knows that we forget quickly of his reign, of his power, of his love for us. And so he gives us this as a constant reminder of his undying love. So Jesus on the night that he was betrayed after taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and he said, "This is my body which is for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me." Who is this table for? It's for anyone who has repented of their sins, who are seeking to follow Jesus Lord, who are seeking to live a life of humility, and who are seeking to live obedient in his church. And if you are here, this is not a table for perfect uh, people. Uh, This is is a table for sinners who are seeking to follow Jesus. This, This is not Faith Christian Fellowship's table. This is the Lord Jesus Christ's table. So if you have claimed him, I welcome you to this table. If you haven't, I encourage you to let this table pass or these elements pass and to pray that, that God would reveal himself to you that you could come back to this table as a son or daughter. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you give us this, uh, this supper as a constant reminder that you, uh, you came to earth you lived a perfect life. You lived a life that we should have lived. You died the death that we should have died in order that you might conquer this evil one, that we might live as liberated children, as liberated beloved sons and daughters. We pray that you remind us of that. We, you pray that you would help us uh, to strengthen us in this meal uh, with this grace of this eternal love. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.